Welcome to the Rediscovering Your Creative Self podcast, where you get a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation for your creative practice. Today, there's so many constant pressures to meet higher expectations, increasingly tighter deadlines, and just a tremendous amount of stress that is involved in our world today, all of which is depleting our creative energy and resources. As we continue to take from this resource and we don't replenish, it can be very destructive and hard to repair as time goes on. As artists, we need to find ways on an ongoing basis to refuel our source of creativity. And that's when we'll move forward from a position of strength and vitality. To keep these creative juices flowing, I believe it's important to have a working environment, a studio that is your artistic sanctuary. It's an external expression of not only your personality, but it provides visual stimulation, even tactile st stimulation, as well as sense, things that smell that entice the brain, things with scented oils that we know uh, can change the way we think about things. What I'm talking about is some kind of dynamic, continuous flow of energy where you're able to work at your best, where your creativity is heightened and your senses are enticed. It's important that we create this visceral playground for the mind within our studio space, no matter how small or large it is. I always think when you enter the studio, you should have a certain atmosphere that's present. If I'm ready to work into the studio, I always open a little jar of scented oils and they all have different properties. Um, some are calming. Some clear the mind, some give energy. And sometimes when the season is right, I'll clip cherry blossoms or some lavender or even lilacs from the lilac tree. And even before I even walk into the studio, I can smell their aroma and it just makes me feel in a state of calm which I think it's important. The other thing that I like to do is I like to listen to instrumental music more than things that have words. I find that the instrumental music allows me to use my creative energy to put myself into the painting that I'm working on. I find the music allows me to paint in a way where the tones and the, 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 the chorus and the orchestration of my marks are almost in, you know, in sequence, in tandem with what's happening in the musical orchestration. So that, like dancing, you know, you hear the music and your body moves in a certain way. I use that uh, type of thing in my work. If I'm going to be working and I'm putting down some of my backgrounds and I need a certain kind of vibe, a certain kind of energy, it's important to what I'm listening to, what I'm using 
to allow me to do that. Okay. The other thing that I, I love to listen to is these amazing scores from the big screen. You know, some of these filmmaking scores are just absolutely amazing because it's not this repeat of, you know, a chorus. It's almost completely different throughout the whole thing. So it's like you're just engaged and all of a sudden you're just visualizing something. And I believe somehow that combination of that sound and that movement of the body is creating something with the brush. And so I engage that form of artistic collaboration of music with painting a lot in my work. I even describe and critique work using music as this rhythmic uh, connection to painting. I feel like it allows me to conjure stories and I start to see dreamlike pictures in my mind. It ignites my imagination. And if you can find things that are in your studio that can do that for you, then you should use it, but employ it in a conscious way. Know that that is a helpful thing for you. I also like poetry and certain kinds of literature, especially the, the classics. I will listen to them on uh, books on tape and those words, they paint pictures in my mind that, again, transport me to another place. So all of these things, use them. I think they helped build your world in the painting realm. I also like things in my studio that not only assist in my process, but inspire me. I've always decorated my studios that I've had over the years with all kinds of things that I'm inspired by. I love to collect handmade dolls uh, that I've gotten from all around the world. I have a vintage typewriter. I have lots of antiques, decorative lamps and shades and um, you know pillows and um, things that were created by my family members. And I have these signature things that I've uh, created in my studio where if I've, I'm working on something, for instance, if I'm putting some black gesso onto a panel and I have some leftover in the roller, I sit and look around my studio and say, okay, what box needs to be painted? You know, what, where can I put this extra paint that I have left over? And every little container of box that has any of my supplies is all hand decorated by me. I don't just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to decorate a box today. What they are is boxes that have been decorated from the aftermath of projects that I'm working on. So if I have just enough, maybe black gesso, I might just roll on the paint on the cover you know, then maybe I might have some gold that I was sponging in an area on a painting and then I have some of that left over and then I sponge the top of that box, you know. And then maybe I have a, a little assemblage accents that I put on the box because it was something I made in clay that I had extra clay over. You know, a lot of times when I send my publishers or clients uh, little promotional packages, I always have these handmade items. And people think, wow, you must spend all this time making these items for this promo. But actually, if I'm sculpting something with like, you know, super sculpty or self-drying clay, you always have a little bit left over. And if you put that little bit back in, it'll kind of be lumpy or dry. So it's not really worth it. 
So what I end up doing is I make these little things, little things that I say, okay, these are the leftovers. I'm going to make little things with it. And a lot of times I take those little things and they're a little flat, like maybe this just bigger than, well, maybe a half dollar or bigger than that. And I deboss things in them and I just let them dry along with whatever I sculpted for that day. And then later I have all these little accents that I glue onto, I paint them obviously, and I glue onto boxes, you know? So when they get my, you know, samples of my work and a little package that I put together for them, they have this little thing there. And they think that, wow, this is really unique. You had this, and it's one of a kind, okay? So that package went out with this unique little thing, but it was me just using up that extra clay that took maybe two extra minutes of time for me to do. And instead of throwing away, I had that. And of course, if I have extra paint, I paint them. So I always try to use things up. So I guess for me, my creativity is this continuous flow and that carries itself from just my creative process, but the way I decorate my studio and my home also in the way I promote. Okay. So these little boxes that I send out too, those are all have some kind of texture on it. Everything is just created as I'm going. It's an ongoing thing. And I think that's what's, um, you know, really, really important. And the other thing that I, I do all the time is I put things up. I firmly believe that when you are exposed to something, it will find its way into your work somehow. So if you have artists that you love or designers that you love or color palettes that you see, put it up in your studio. Somehow seeing that is going to put, find its way into your work. And I think those things are crucial. I think we live in a, a time now where uh, everybody wants everything streamlined and, you know, nothing, uh, uh, white walls. Well, you can't create in white walls. Okay. And what I mean by that is you got to be inspired. You got to have things hanging up. And I, I've had classes where people say, well, I can't hang things up. I live in an apartment and go to Home Depot, get a big sheet, you know, 36 by 48 piece of masonite, or go to the dollar store and get some um, uh, foam cord. You might have to tape some of them together, but create something that you can lean against the wall so that you could tape all kinds of things that you love up onto that wall. And that way it will seep its way into your studio. And also I've had people say, well, I, I, don't even have a studio. I work in the kitchen. Having this foam core wall, it's very light. It's very easy to transport. You can put it away in a closet or whatever, and it's around your space. And that's what I think is important. It's around your space. So for me, it's not only um, pictures um, that I collect, it's color swatches. It might be something of um, colors that I have that I pulled out a page of my sketchbook or something that I did with my extra paint left over. So I always find when I'm creating things, I like to draw from stuff. If you have stuff to draw from, the richer your piece will be, especially because they're disparate. They're things that may not have been um, thought of, but because you saw it, because it was in your studio, it triggers something and you putting all those things together creates this new mix that you might not have thought of otherwise. Um, other things that I like to do is I'm inspired by the words of others. 
all kinds of creative people. And I have the Wow Factor board, which is called Wow, W-O-W, which were words of wisdom. Um, I love listening to other creative people in their process and how they go about sustaining their creativity. Um, we're very much like athletes, you know, a, a very top athlete will train. They will consult people to figure out how to be the best that they can be. Um, for us, it's the same thing. I think if you are to deny yourself that access or deny yourself that that's important, then I think it's going to affect the work in some way. Because if you don't create an atmosphere where you are working at your best, you will be a 50-50, maybe 30-70 shot at doing the work that you need to do. You need to create the environment on a consistent basis that makes you do your best work. Um, so we talked about visual things by putting all kinds of things up. We talked about um, tactile things and objects, having objects, people who are very creative. And I've been very fortunate to have interviewed artists of all kinds, okay, from different disciplines. Their studios are always decorated with objects that inspire them. Maybe they're old objects, you know, like I've seen people collect old packaging, you know, vintage games. I, uh, there's so many things that people collect that I think um, are important because those, maybe it's the patina of this vintage thing, or maybe it's the nostalgia for subject matter. And some of those sub objects actually become subjects in paintings. So whatever it is that inspires you, collect those things, put them up in your studio, create little shelves. Uh, for me, every piece of furniture in my studio has been painted, um, altered, and assemblage accented by me. Um, like I said, not, not only the furniture, but the decorative boxes that I store things in. I uh, have a closet in my studio and the complete closet is com new shelving. Everything's been renovated in there for perfect uh, streamlined working for myself. And I think those things um, are a big part of your creativity. Your space influences you. You feel differently when you enter in a space that you love, especially when you love everything about it, you know? I've had big studios and I've had small studios, but all my studios have had um, very high ceilings and also very huge, huge, uh, almost floor to ceiling windows. And those are things that are a big plus for me. I looked for spaces like that. I think when you are challenged by um, where you can work, find ways in which you can change up that space uh, to make it optimal for yourself. And whether that is, um, you know, working instead of a studio by yourself, if you're better working with other people, uh, renting in a larger um, facility. And sometimes that can be more stimulating than being alone. So I think you, 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 need to have some time to think about how can you take the space that you're working in right now and change it up? 
I've even had um, people that work in their um, kind of their main living room area. And what they've done is they've gotten dividers and created these dividers. And all of the dividers are these beautiful imagery and things they absolutely love. And your space doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be special. Okay, so whatever you can do to make it special, I think that's, um, you know, really, really important. The other thing that I wanted to uh, talk about is just some practical things um, that are important. And I think it has to do with um, your mindset and how you feel physically. One of the things that uh, you do as painter, you can either sit or you can stand. So if you're going to stand and you have a hardwood floor, or a very hard tile floor, um, you can get a mat. Um, you know, could even get it at like the local, you know, Walmart or whatever, and get a mat that's cushioned. Okay, because to stand for a really long time on a hard surface is really bad for you. It's bad for your back. It's bad for your legs. Um, bad for your posture. Um, considering the fact that you paint a lot. Okay. The other thing is have a chair that has some ergonomic qualities to it. And if you don't um, or can't afford a chair like that, get a back pillow, you know, for your chair, get some kind of cushion for your chair, find ways that you can change up that chair to give you a little bit more ergonomics in the way you sit. And there's a lot of great videos online that can show you the a better sitting position um, than, uh, you know, maybe you might be slouching or, or other things. Those are really kind of bad. The other thing is if you're a painter and you're right-handed, your palette, where you're getting your paint from, should be on the right side. You should not be crossing over because if you're crossing over, again, that's um, bad ergonomics um, in the way you have your space. The other thing that's important is the pencils and the brushes that you hold, um, the tighter that you hold something, okay, the more you're going to have carpal tunnel. There's these little things that you can get. Um, you can slip them on a paintbrush. You can slip them on a pencil uh, or an ink pen, whatever it is you're using. And it has little spots for, I got about three or four of them. It has little spots um, where you can put your your um your your thumb and your your fingers so it's more ergonomic and what it's basically doing is separating the fingers a little bit and putting them in a better position so if you're a person who draws a lot and draws for a really long time those are things you might want to consider as well so there's so many things um practical and aesthetic that you can do to your studio to make your process more successful every time you enter into that studio. Um, lastly, I just wanted to say is things that you um, also can do is to have books that you can look at. Because obviously we can put so many things up onto the wall, but then there's other things Maybe it's something that we're working on um, that we want to be inspired by. Uh, I will peruse and sit in my comfortable chair that's in my studio, and I'll look at these things. I'll look at um, these books that I think are just amazing. I'm like a huge collector of these Kickstarter books of artists that I love their work. Only because you can't get these books at Barnes & Noble. You can't get them on Amazon. They really only are available through Kickstarter. I've spent $300 on a Kickstarter book. Um, 
because I just love it. I think these things are just objects and I look them as a business expense because it just inspires me. It inspires me that this artist put together this project that goes beyond the bucket, has all these other intricate things if you've ever seen Kickstarters. Um, and I love all that. And um, so those are things also, I look for unique projects that others do because I'm inspired, I'm motivated by, and I'm, you know, sort of want to take on more with my own work because of the journey that they've set with theirs. And having this collaborative, open mindset to not only your own work, but what others are doing, not to copy what they're doing, but to be inspired by the effort. I think that's what it is. I'm inspired by the effort. Um, I'm so proud of my MFA students who do these amazing projects and set out and do these incredible things. And I think to myself, this is what it's all about, is that we inspire each other to um, set a higher bar. When we have the motivation to set a higher bar, we find within ourselves uh, extra limits, you know, extra energy, um, a reason, a purpose. Uh, and so I, I find that if you fill your world with people that, or you surround yourself with people that um, are positive and creative and problem solvers and think outside the boxers, you know, I think those are things that are amazing. And that's why I really wanted to create um, Navigating the Labyrinth of the Creative Mind, because you know, like I said in the beginning, we live in this world where there is just so much stress and so much distraction, so many things going on. And to post work these days just on social, and even that's fading away, as many of you can see, um, it, it it's it's not creating a different mindset. It's not creating a motivational, inspirational place where people can get together. You know, I love... Um, you know, the days of when I read stories about authors and there's uh, authors, uh, C.S. Lewis and um, the author uh, Tolkien from the Lord of the Rings and some other authors used to get together in this um, bar in England. And it was called their group was called the Inklings and they used to share their stories and talk about their work. And that collaboration has influenced and changed each one of those artists because of that. And I think we're missing those components in our work. It's just a dumping of information and pictures of this and that, and nothing is showing a complete thought of a process, a complete thought of a series, a complete thought of sharing and feedback and uh, talking about the importance of creativity and how to maintain creativity and uh, things you can do in your studio. So those are all stuff that I'm starting because I want to create a dialogue. I want to create a dialogue between you and me and our group. So today, what I would like you to do is look around your studio and not say, oh, I need to do a major renovation. But what can you do? Every day, every day, 
Maybe it's every day I find a picture and I put something up. Maybe it's every day I look around my home and I find something that I love and I just put it in my studio. Or I'm going to go outside and, you know, bring something from nature into my home, whatever it is, you know. And maybe it's some stones, little stones. You know, I, I collect little stones. Those of you who know me, I give stones to my students. And that's another story for um, another audio uh, program. But I want you to go through your studio and every day maybe add something to it. Okay? So we have 365 days in a year. So starting now, add something to that studio space. Let it grow. Let it prosper. Let it ignite your passion. And as always, have a great week and create from the heart. This audio series is part of my Navigating the Labyrinth of the Creative Mind Patreon endeavor. The site uniquely intermixes self-reflection and personal storytelling with exploratory mixed-media techniques and expressive approaches to art-making elevating the creative consciousness and guiding each person on his or her own path to discovering the creative spark that resides within. Check us out at www.patreon.com slash Lisa L. Sear, and that's spelled C-Y-R.